Yeah, I know. La, 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 la. Shut the door, Holman. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Wow. Hold on, Wait. Listen, listen. Dude, did you see dude, the, the walls? Ah, oh, look what's falling out of the ceiling. What is oh, that? Oh, dude, there's dust. There's like. It, dude, it's, it's falling on your backpack. Oh, the ceiling tiles falling. Oh, man. What happened? Real. The walls breathed. Right. Did you see that? Dude, that was weird. Yeah, there's enough of a pressure difference here in the studio to make our walls breathe. We call it a studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Hold on. I think I should put my headphones on and like get up on the stage. I am going to be on Access Whoa. Hollywood tomorrow. How about you? That's better. Why? Um, guy named, uh, by the way, this is Lightning. How you doing? And we've got Holman sitting opposite me. Psycho Mike Catherwood. Yeah. He, you might know him from Psycho Mike Catherwood. No, it's a lover boy. What did they call him? Yeah, Loveline love lover boy, Michael Catherwood. Yeah, on yeah. Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> you guys didn't watch Dancing no, why, with the Stars. Why, no. Your wives might have. Yeah. Gr girlfriends. If right. you're in LA, you would know. Uh, you would know Mike. Mike from either the Kevin and Bean Morning Show or Loveline. Love you know what? Loveline was syndicated, so you might yeah. know Maybe. Mike. I don't know. He's don't kind know. of a he's kind of a, a C level star or whatever. He is now one of the quasi co hosts of No, he's not. Yes, he is. What? He's a fill in. All right. He's a he's a, he's the go to fill in for Axis Hollywood. And I guess he was telling the girls who, I don't know, I don't watch the show. Okay. But he was telling them that he uh, had given someone a vasectomy and that someone was me. Oh, so he's telling the vasectomy story from where you had that done live on the air with uh, midgets and with, uh, there's a whole Right, the Armenian comedian and yeah. a stripper and, yeah. a, and a, who could, could, could the surgeon eat, uh, finish the procedure faster right. than this fat guy could eating, eat a eating a pizza? pizza. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a race. There was a guy telling jokes. Dude, your there, former life is way weirder than like anybody. It's so, it doesn't seem like it <laughs> happened either. But anyway, so I, I before you showed up, yep. I was out in the parking lot shooting a little video talking to <laughs> Natalie and Kim and Mike. So did they see me driving all fast in my Nissan Titan pulling up with a bag full of wiener schnitzel no. <laughs> in the background? No. I wrapped I'm, up. I'm watching Axis Hollywood just to see if I see myself with the wiener schnitzel delivery and the Titan coming behind right, you. Right, right, right. <laughs> Nissan's like, yeah, yeah, Axis Hollywood, we don't have to pay for that. No, I, I don't think that I got you, although it would have been smart had I had I captured some, some Nissan love in that piece. Okay, it was the best yesterday. Dr. Catherwood over here told us this story. He's not a doctor. When he was on the radio, yeah. he did what, Nat? He had a, he, you, not you didn't have a vasectomy you gave a vasectomy <laughs> to your producer friend so guess who we found your producer friend he lived to tell the story he lived. what hey guys lightning here from k-rock so natalie kid what mike has been telling you about his amateur surgery skills it's actually true so not only did he shave me down pre-op but in k-rock's air studio <laughs> he aided the doctor in cutting my vest deference and sewing me back up so mike I think you're responsible for my sterility. <laughs> I'm 100. That's both funny, sad, and true. <laughs> Wait, you shaved him down? I shaved yeah. him down. That's a real friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it is weird. But what? what's not weird is our presenting sponsor, Nissan. Yeah, no, not weird at all. Although, you know what? That's not true. That they do weird. have a weird sense of humor. Like, I love Nissan's sense of humor. Yeah, no, they have, cool. Of all the auto manufacturers, Nissan has, I love their promotions, and, uh, you know, your your story last episode, maybe the one before about the, um, fruit the fruitcake, yeah. yeah, and it's just, you know, they are willing to take chances. All right, you want to hear another one? 
Yeah. Okay, so when, uh, I don't know, for those of you on the East Coast who are familiar with New York City, there was a com... I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. That's what a West Coaster sounds like talking about the East Coast. Um, <laughs> Maybe you're familiar I, with... I should, no, 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 I should have said City. familiar with New York City taxi cabs. Anyway, okay. there's a big competition for the quote-unquote uh, taxi of tomorrow or cab of tomorrow, right? So Nissan had uh, submitted the NV200, its little van, to be the taxi of tomorrow. And they won the contract. Well, I guess when they won it, they put out all of this like t-shirts and hats propaganda and, yeah and the hashtag was hail yes <laughs> i always thought that was pretty funny see because you hail, hail a cab, the cab. for those of you that yeah. didn't pick that yeah. up yeah that's that's funny hail yeah. yes yeah no they're they're really creative i mean it, you could it shows in the titan it yeah. shows the creativity all the way through from the you know the top ranks all the way down yep. to the pr people and so i i don't know i just i commend them for that and if you're looking for a, a truck and you're looking to get out of the mundane and the the titan as you've said it and i didn't use this term a lot the white space I'm, yeah. us, I'm using air quotes. There you, you can't go. Yeah, see me. Yeah, I got air quotes. But, I see it. Um, the white space between a half ton and a one ton. Yeah. This is it. And it's the perfect truck to tow. Yep, you're talking about the XD that can well, no, either yeah, gas or uh, you can get, gas is, uh, dude, that thing hauls balls. Well, and you drove Would the they want ton. me to say that hauls yeah, balls? Yeah, no, okay. Right. You drove the half ton. The white space, perfect white space truck is the XD with the five liter Cummins. But both of them offer, one of the things we're talking about, kind of innovations and, and some of the differences in, in the thought process of how Nissan goes about it. They have those Titan boxes in the back. I actually like using them a lot. What's cool about them is other manufacturers have their embed storage. I was using those for tie downs. Oh, perfect. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the Titan boxes are nice because they are removable. And they're below the bed rail. So I didn't realize that they were removable. They are. They looked fixed. No, no. They're removable. Oh, wow. And they use the LED lighting that's inside the bed to light them up internally. But what's cool about them is they're mounted below the bed rail. So unlike other manufacturers who have their own version of embed storage, the Titan one can be used with a tonneau cover or a shell on top, which is kind of a cool. It's kind yeah, of different, you, different than what other those people Those rails, those milled aluminum rails. Yeah, utility are, track. Yeah, dude. Super, super handy. Yeah, super and, sick. And I they, wish I had a dirt bike to like, I wouldn't, I didn't have any furniture to haul around in the, you know, yeah, the week. Several hundred pounds per cleat and right. they're aluminum. Everybody else has plastic cleats. Plus... Nissan does it at the head of the bed and the floor of the bed, too, which is cool. Nobody else is doing that. It was nice because at first you didn't realize that they had them on the floor, yeah. but they were covered up by these really nice rubber. Yeah, uh, to keep the sand and stuff out. Exactly. Yep. And so at first I didn't realize, and I slid a mic, I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's super stealth. Clever. No, their, yeah. their bed is awesome. Plus, you get one of the better spray and bed liners. A lot of companies do spray, uh, spray and bed liners now, but Nissan did it first. And Nissan has it pretty much figured out because as many Nissans as we've had with axles in the bed and all sorts of sharp things, I've never seen uh, a cut uh, bed liner in a Nissan truck before, and I have seen it in the other manufacturers. So as far as bed space goes, tie downs, LED lighting, bed liner, uh, a damped tailgate where the whole thing kind of comes down slow. It's you on know what I'm saying? Bar. Nissan got it going on. So we're going to change the Truck Show podcast presented by Nissan to the Truck Show podcast presented by Nissan got it going on. I think so. All right. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run. Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. I cannot wait to get to what what the truck. 
Oh yeah, what the truck is. Uh, I, I'm I've got pent up emotion about what the truck. Sometimes is. I think what the truck that little segment is just asking a question. Sure. You know it can be innocent and yes. gentle, but today it's not. No, today, no. Today, today we're having a full the truck, discussion about today. It. What the truck is full of venom. You know, <laughs> and and I have a lot of that Wiener Schnitzel like chili dog venom built up into me right now because <laughs> so, we just ate before you showed up. So speaking like, of yeah. Wiener Schnitzel, there's got to be somebody listening to the podcast because we have a ton of West Coast people who are our listeners. There's got to be somebody out there who is uh, knows the guy at Wiener Schnitzel who wants to sponsor our podcast and give us free chili dogs every week. They're based in Orange County, right? Oh yeah, they're they're literally based where we are right now, like ten miles away. So Wiener Schnitzel sponsors uh, some motocross riders, yeah. and some teams. And uh, how about some podcast boys, dude? I mean, we're we're all about it. We're yeah. all about the chili dog in a big way. Yeah. And I'm not. It, it would be cool to borrow the wiener because the they, wiener mobile. Yeah, the wiener mobile. Oh, now, now wait a minute. Hold, that's how we get them on. No, wait a minute. Hold. Wait. Oh. We screwed up. We screwed up. The wiener mobile is Oscar Mayer. No, you got I me mean, all excited for a minute. I totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do have some type of a wiener mobile, but it's the wiener schnitzel mobile, and it's got the guy with his hand up in the air because they have a different logo. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I, you know, you got me so excited, I wasn't even thinking. And then you got me, and I'm like, yeah! And I was like, no. No, no, no. We, we want Wiener Schnitzel. We don't need the Oscar Mayer mobile machine or whatever it's called. We need Wiener Schnitzel. Well, I'd like a sponsorship, but I would settle for some chili dogs. I, what is that sponsorship? <laughs> chili well, dogs every week? I mean, it wouldn't, I mean, for eight bucks a week, they could afford to, uh, you know, hook yeah. a brother up. Well, I mean, we talk about them enough. I don't, you know what? I, there are people all around the world listening to this and they're going, I don't know what you're talking you know, about. So here's what I feel like I feel like White Castle is like one of those burger chains that, like, when you go to the Midwest, they're like, you know, revered, and then you have it, and it's kind of like, uh, unless you grew up with it, you don't really get it. People who go to White Castle love it, and right. then and then they have In-N-Out on the West right. Coast, and, they, totally and, then, and, then, and then they go not even the, the same, White Castle. Yeah, they're yeah. not even the same league. But I feel like that's about wienerishness. I think that we may be, you know, pumping them up, but that's just because it's it's so special to us. And I feel like both of us being the connoisseurs of Dr. Pepper, there's not there's very few things that, that match. You know, they just they just pair so well together. It's like uh, a fine wine and, and a steak. It's a chili cheese dog. Dr. Pepper. That's what I'm saying. No, you know what? This is what I'm saying. What the truck? That is what I'm saying. Are right, we so doing here, that right now? We're doing it first. I want to get this off my off the off our plate. You're, you're angry. I'm not. I don't know if I'm angry. So you I'm guys, angry. this is the Truck Show podcast, and we're going to talk about trucks. And this is a uh, we're going to read a story from a writer that we found. You found on Jalopnik, right? Now yeah. Jalopnik used to be owned by Gawker. 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 Okay, so Gawker. They are known for pushing buttons and yeah. trolling the universe. Oh, yeah, trolling. Def- definitely clickbaity. They, like, have, they invented the the trolling headline. And I right. almost feel dirty about even saying where we found this because I don't want to give them any more credence to or even no, credibility. I mean, but, listen, well, this, is no, this is no secret. Everyone knows kind of yeah. what, what Jalopnik is. And, and by the way, those guys are creative. So what I'm saying is... What the truck? All right. This is a writer by the name of Elizabeth Worth. And the title, the headline of the story is... My hot take of the day is that big pickup trucks are a plague and should not be sold for daily driving. Boo! What the truck? That is what she's saying. Now, we, all right, so we're the lemmings. Like, we're yeah. falling for We her. get that it's clickbait. We get that it was only to rile up the truck enthusiasts, but we'd also be remiss if we did not confront this head on. My hot take of the day is that big pickup trucks are a plague and should not be sold for daily driving. Listen, I didn't want to have to be the one to say this, but I'm going to be the one to say it. Big pickup trucks should not be allowed on the roads as a casual everyday driving vehicle. We have a problem in America. 
a plague, if you will. What? We have an obsession with big, beastly trucks. They've spread through our streets like a poison, taken over our cities by storm. And now that they're here, we can't get rid of them. What the truck? There's a good chance you've been there. You've had a rough day at work and you're trying to find a parking space in your small, city-friendly, fuel-efficient vehicle at the grocery store. Nope, Mm, never. No. And suddenly, across the lot, you find it. An empty space. So close to the front that you might as well just be able to open the car door and step right into the store. You hustle over, praising the gods of the work week for taking pity on your poor soul, only to find that spot you scoped out. It's sandwiched between two trucks. Okay, two things. Number one. Decent rider. I got the image in my head. Number two, if you're driving a small car, who cares if it's squeezed between two trucks because you're not going to take up the entire parking space. So They've made an attempt at fitting between the yellow lines, but unfortunately, they're just too large to squeeze your own car through. Or maybe there you are driving through the tight downtown streets. It's bad enough that you're already dodging antsy pedestrians and public transport, but then a truck pulls up next to you. Shiny, brand new. It's almost twice the size of your own little soccer mom SUV, and it's one hair's breadth away from slipping into your lane. Or how about you roll out of the airport seven hours after flights, half asleep and entirely exhausted? Mm, I bet she's from New York. Yeah, you think? She's from New York. I wonder if she knows about the uh, taxi of tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) You wait for your luggage. You wait for three rounds of the bus before you finally get escorted out onto the parking lot. And you can't find it. You were 100% certain you parked in this row in this lot. You even saved the location in your phone this time. But you're looking down the aisle and you can't see a damn thing because your car is hidden between two massive trucks which then makes it seem impossible to see anything when you back up. It is, without a doubt, one of the most truly terrible experiences in the entire world. Um... I feel like that's a personal issue. I think so, too. So, therefore, the only reasonable option is to make big, huge trucks legal only if you're using them for work purposes. Because there is literally no reason why anyone would need one of these beastly machines for their everyday driving, and definitely not in the city. It just seems absurd. Why do you, a single human being with just one suitcase for work, need a jacked-up pickup truck to go about your daily business? What are you hauling, friend? When you're driving from suburbia to the city for your desk job and then back to suburbia, what purpose does it serve? You, my friend, are a hazard. You are too big. The rest of us cannot see over you. The only answer for me is to buy a bigger vehicle, which only makes the problem worse. Pickups have their purpose. They are certainly important for transporting construction items or pieces of furniture or honestly a whole lot of accoutrements when you're out camping. And that's fine. Please, feel free to drive them in those cases. You're certainly one-upping the carrying capacity of my Mazda 2. Okay, well, there's the tell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to uh, piece this picture together, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are plenty of reasonable, responsible, everyday pickup drivers who aren't big buttheads and don't purchase cars that are way too big for any form of daily existence. You aren't the problem, of course. But there are enough of your truck-driving compatriots who make things so difficult for the rest of us that they've gone ahead and ruined everything for everyone. But there is no reason why it should be your everyday transport vehicle. It is inefficient. It is obnoxious. It makes life painful for the rest of us in our reasonably sized vehicles who respect that a lane is a lane and a parking spot is a parking spot. That these clearly defined lines are clearly defined for a reason for just one vehicle at a time. Parking. Driving. Seeing, changing lanes, merging, just existing in general. It would be so much easier without the plague of big pickup trucks on the road. 
You are welcome to prove me wrong. Bring your best defense of these beasts and try to change my mind. But I'm warning you, I'm pretty set in my ways. No kidding. What the truck? So, there, I mean, we could start picking it apart line by line. I, I don't think we need to. I think that um, she's a city folk. Yep. Or she was country folk and now she's city folk. Maybe. Here's the thing. When you buy a big, and listen, I'm one of those a-holes who commutes in a full-size pickup every single day as part of my job. Right. I don't take a suitcase to work, but I have my backpack. Uh, I will tell you there are lots of people who have been in car accidents with little cars, and they feel unsafe. Pickup trucks have big brakes. Pickup trucks allow you to sit up and see above traffic. Sorry if you chose the wrong car for the mission, and you can't see because there's a pickup truck, but I'm not giving up my high hit point. By the way, SUVs and trucks... Selling like crazy because people like seeing up above everything else. Pickup trucks are not inefficient. Look at some of the half-ton diesels out there that are cranking more than 30 miles per gallon or some of the midsize. You know, same deal. I think that she's looking at it just from a very metropolitan view. She doesn't want people with big trucks driving them into the city. Where, you know, for example, here, like in Hollywood. That's a great example. So I drive my dually which, by the way, is within the legal limit, the legal width limit. But you will be seriously sparring with the mirrors of the metro buses. That's one thing I've noticed at Hollywood. When you're driving Whoa. there, you are super close I to mean, the I mean, I was on Sunset Boulevard yes. right in front of the Roxy. And Sunset, I Wilshire. Thought, I thought, well, Highland's the worst. Highland's pretty bad, yeah. I thought, that, and we're talking about places very central to Hollywood. And I thought that, yeah, my mirror was coming off. Yeah. You know, and, and so obviously that's my fault. I knew it. I'm driving down the street. I was driving down the street because I was taking the truck to a location to be shown off. I wouldn't typically take a dually on a very small road like that. But your mirrors are not in a different location. They, they were not, stock. No, nope, I mean, that's nope. your, they're your exactly stock, right? So, and again, I'm in the legal width of our, you know, our California highway system. I get where she's coming from, but she's looking at it through just that lens of someone who is, when she has to travel a distance, she gets in her car. But otherwise, right. she's probably Ubering or around town. train or, or she's taking taxi. some, yeah, public transport. But here's the thing. When you start dictating what days people can drive or what mission people can drive their vehicle for, it's really a slippery slope. What's to keep the motorcyclist from telling her she can't drive her Mazda 2? Well, that's the thing. You, you, yeah, because there's always going to be someone smaller than you. Right, right. And if you choose a Mazda 2, then you choose the the benefits. You also choose the cons that come with it. Just like if I choose a pickup truck, I'm choosing the things I like, and there's going to be cons. I'm not going to be able to park next to the Some door of the store sometimes. Some of the sometimes. worst drivers are Prius drivers. Uh, Prius and Volvo. Right, Volvo. Oh, so awful. bad. God awful. Why, Why is that? I was just going to Let's try it again. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Why, Why is, is that? that? Yeah. I used to ride a motorcycle. You did too. Yep. And it was funny because BMW drivers are typically not good, but I always noticed it was the Volvo driver that was the absolute worst. And I could never figure out why, but I could always... Sent something to turn around and go, there's a Volvo there. Sure enough, Volvo. is it because they think they're indestructible, they're in the safety cage? I don't know what I it is. I think the type of person that is attracted to a Volvo has no interest in, in other people. Mach- no, no, in the machine <laughs> itself. It is purely it's an appliance. An appliance. Yeah. Correct. They can barely control it. Right, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And I would, I would love to hear some email about this. Yeah. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we don't need a ton of hate coming at this uh, this writer. She's obviously doing her best to push her buttons, and it's working. It's working. We're talking and, and about it. And by the way, she's not the only person who feels like this. I mean, I worked in Hollywood for 25 years, very small streets up in, up there. You know, there are people that look at me and go, why, dude? Like, what's that about? It's You're spending, what, you're wasting so much money in gas and this and that. I'm like, it's my choice. Yeah, exactly. Dude, it's my choice. And as long as it's legal, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 
That's the that's the beauty of America. Do whatever you want. You do well, whatever, not whatever you want. Well, mostly. I mean, nobody's gonna, <laughs> no, but nobody's going to tell me I can't own my guns. I can't drive my pickup They're truck. They're trying. I, I can't swirl They're beer. Trying. They're I trying. Know. Well, just like she's. I'm. What I'm saying. Slippery slope. Right. Like this is where somebody who has a you know a different point of view wants to dictate what other people should do, and that's where I draw the line. I'm not going to have somebody who doesn't know my lifestyle or where I live or what my needs are or been in my shoes dictating to me what I can or can't do. 224,000.4 likes, 1.6,000 shares. Big pickup trucks are a plague and should not be sold for daily driving. Oh, exactly. Oh, feels exactly. so cathartic. Oh, so much better. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I feel like I got it out of my system now. When I, when I saw that come through my newsfeed, I'm like, oh, hell no. Hashtag, hell no. Holman, tell me about Winslow Bent. Uh, Winslow Ben would be our next guest. I know. Okay. <laughs> Dumbass. That's why I'm asking. I mean, I want to do some setup. Okay. Here's right. why. Because we, I think over the last couple of episodes, I was listening back and I realized, boy, we just jump right into guests. We don't give a lot of whole uh, setup. Yeah. Well, we and, know them and then we forget, take for granted that our audience knows them too. And the reason we're having these people on the show. So they can are, get to know them. Yeah. And of course, we just jump right in and we're like, hey, remember that time? We're like, what? What kind of a douchebag are we? Yeah. Yeah, don't answer that, people. We're, what yeah. the host? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Winslow Bent. All right, so have you ever been to SEMA and seen like those really crazy late 40s or 50s power wagons that are extended cabs that totally like rest of modded out, Cummins or LS uh, engine swaps? Beautiful, like like better than some of the new trucks that are What there. magazines would I have seen these trucks in? Uh, four-wheeler for sure. I think okay. Peterson's four-wheel and off-road. Um, they're just unbelievable. Anyway, he owns a company called Legacy Classic Trucks, and uh, they do Dodge WC Power Wagons. They do 80 to 86 Jeep Scramblers. In fact, he had one at SEMA a while back that had the Banks um, 630T 3.0 uh, V6 diesel in it. Oh, really? Yeah, very cool. Uh, also, he does those 55 to 59, the Napco Chevy 4x4 conversions. All right. Freaking awesome. I think, you know, that generation of Chevy truck, you only see slammed with like a small block in it. Right. He's doing these things lifted up and they're just, they're gorgeous. Now, these things are cherry. These are like Riddler quality. These are like $200,000. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Get him on the phone. Let's All do right. it. Let's call him. Legacy, this is Winslow. Winslow Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Hey, how are you guys? Outstanding. Now that we have you on the phone, we got a lot to talk about. But before you're allowed to say anything, Winslow, we got to play your intro. Okay, sounds good. You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. Make new stuff and it's really, really good. Because Winslow, you are the innovator motorator. How'd you like that for an intro? <laughs> hey, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> we have two versions of that intro, and uh, we were guessing which one we uh, we thought you'd like the best. Oh man, I love it. Well, because the other great. one, the other one is like death metal, and I figured it's just it's got a lot of screaming. <laughs> oh. It's a little more mellow. It's a little more off road, you know. Yeah, I like that. You know, I'm uh, just kind of a Wyoming boy, so uh, that that just uh, fits in just perfectly. Perfect. So, Legacy Classic Trucks. I I need to know the genesis of this business. How did this start? Take us back to the beginning, if you don't mind. And we should really touch on the fact that Winslow actually was a restaurateur before he got into this. So there's like a, this whole huge lot. Yeah. So Winslow, take us yeah. through. How'd you get here? 
as far as being a, a, a truck enthusiast, uh, I grew up outside of Chicago. My dad had a stainless steel fabrication plant, and on his free time, he liked restoring vehicles from World War II. So um, I got to help him out as a kid working on Jeeps and amphibious vehicles and all kinds of different stuff, and it really uh, spiked an interest. And then my father said... Now, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 before you get to that, Winslow... Jeeps and amphibious vehicles. The word amphibious just stuck out. I'm like, wait, wait, don't don't gloss over that. There are only a couple of only a couple of companies that make amphibious vehicles. You know, do you know what a duck boat is? Yes. Uh, yeah. If yeah. you've ever so been I on a tour up, in Boston or San Diego, the one in Seattle, Seattle, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, duck boat, the yeah. duck cruise, yeah. yeah. So my dad had one of those things, and. I tell you, I had the coolest birthday parties when I was a kid because <laughs> I could awesome. take all my friends out on this duck boat. And being in Chicago, we're right next to Lake Michigan. So it was just a five-minute drive oh, down to the man. beach. You drive right across the sands and the water. And, you know, it was just awesome. You so, know what? My, uh, my dad had a Honda Accord. Yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad had a Chrysler station wagon, so that was no good. Hey, by the way, so Winslow, tell, please tell me that your dad did not make the one that was in Seattle that sunk. No. Okay. No, good. no, no. Okay. Not at all. In fact, about two years ago, my dad called me and he said, "I just can't deal with this thing anymore," and so now it's sitting parked in front of uh, you like have it? plastic trucks. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no, we need that. And, yeah, we need a uh, you need to send us a picture so we can put it on our social media. No, 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 no. We need oh. that vehicle here in Southern California. Well, so, so Winslow is going to bring us a power wagon to drive around. Maybe we should convince him to bring the duck down here. <laughs> Dude. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. I mean, it still floats and drives and does do, everything it's supposed to. Do we to need and... a truck show podcast trip out to Jackson Hole to uh, Legacy <laughs> oh, Classic Truck? Hell yeah, we do. Dude. Absolutely. Forget the Wiener Schnitzel mobile. No. Why we need that? duck boat and last week i drove a semi truck for the first time i'm like done bucket list Uh uh-oh duck just took over on that (laughs) oh my lord so i'm sorry that i took you sideways on that winslow but what in the world that is that is awesome okay so he's your dad's making duck boats and crazy stuff and and take us back to that time um he's got this big plant so i'm around this machinery that's you know larger than life and people are doing things like welding and stuff like that and uh you know i just thought it seemed it seemed awesome and then um on his free time, like I was saying, amphibians and Jeeps and, you know, whatever kind of tickled his fancy of the old World War II stuff. But but my dad told me, he said, Winslow, never do this for a living. This is only <laughs> for fun. And I was like, okay. My head was going up and down. Um, but I, uh, I left Chicago and went out to Colorado for college. And I think that was really probably the eye-opener as far as four-wheel drive vehicles go. So I, I showed up to college with a uh, Acura Integra, if I remember correctly. <laughs> hey, by the way, the not Acura, a bad car today. The day. Acura Integra is Yeah, they rad. were awesome. Yeah, I couldn't afford one. I yeah. wanted one. Mine had the little, uh, the little headlights that would flip up. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, those were very cool. <laughs> Anyhow, I went out to Colorado and... Um, I had a friend, uh, he had an FJ-40 uh, Land Cruiser, and, you know, we'd go out in the woods with a couple of beverages and, and drive around, and this thing just went places that I couldn't imagine. And um, all of a sudden, it just seemed like stuff that my dad was talking about, and then now kind of real-world application stuff, and I just went, 
wow, this is fascinating. But still, that voice was going in my head. Never do this for a living. <laughs> so, uh, are you saying, Winslow? Are you saying that you never like picked up a torch, or you didn't learn how to TIG weld, or anything? You just like I'm going to be an accountant or something else. Yeah, what I did, what, what ended up happening. So I go to college and I'm studying business and communications, and I started taking night school. And so at night school, I got a welding certific- certification and then uh, engine rebuilding. And I was like taking these classes at our local community college and really uh, enjoying them a heck of a lot more than, you know, Shakespearean literature or whatever, whatever was on the coursework at my, uh, my regular four-year college. But, uh, you know, I, I was trying to stay true to what Dad said. So, you know, I went through college. Um, and I wanted to stay in these mountain towns. Um, I'd been up to Jackson Hole a couple of times, so I moved up here, and I got a restaurant gig going. And I think from 1998, probably through 2008, I was a restaurant guy up here. Is there a restaurant that we would have known about if we had visited Jackson Hole? Yeah, sure. Sure. I don't think... Uh, California Pizza Kitchen. No, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, DPK. No, no. Uh, there was a place called 43 North, and it was this kind of rowdy uh, uh, pub and burgers and uh, just kind of a, a Western sort of feel to it. And um, it was at the base of the ski slope in downtown Jackson. It was a lot of fun. Um, I had a good scene going there. I opened up a second kind of watering hole. Uh, wasn't quite as uh, as high end. Um, anyhow, we I got three or four different restaurants going. So there's these guys that were, you know, the investors. I'm kind of the manager of the whole thing. And um, but the whole time I'm working on cars for fun, mainly Toyota Land Cruisers. I got really into the FJ60 wagons. Oh, awesome. And just doing it for fun and flipping them. And it was just kind of like. It was sort of my sanity, you know, a place to go on the weekend. Where were you finding the good ones at that time? Like, did you have to, were there a lot in Wyoming or were you finding them out of state California and stuff? They were, no, they were plentiful. And um, at at least at the time, uh, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, you know, they don't salt the roads. So you may find one that they may have some miles on it, but it's a Toyota. Who cares? Exactly. It's the, the frame, the bodies were good. Yeah, I started repowering them and just, you know, just kind of goofing around and just really enjoyed it. Then 2008, economy takes a dump. My investors start getting nervous and they say, you know, Winslow, you've done such a great job setting up all these restaurants. I think we'll fire you now. Wow, and so, man. Here I am. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> three months after, I think, I think it was three months after I was married lost my job and i was like holy hell you know like this sucks yeah he hears and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right and um so i'm just thinking oh man you know the world's ending i might as well do something i would enjoy and i was sort of looking at the land cruisers and you know interesting thing happened there were some really talented people out there building land cruisers and have been for a long time. And that was sort of an interest of mine, but I was a little nervous um, about entering such a competitive market. And like we had 
you know, Jonathan Ward at Icon and, yeah. you know, just some amazing people. Jeremiah Prophet, you know. Just, and both those guys are still around now doing amazing, amazing builds, both of those guys. Absolutely fantastic guys. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't know if I want to be competing with these guys. So I started looking around and thinking and kind of thinking about my roots a little bit. And I started looking at Dodge Power Wagons. And that was the first thing that I ever learned how to drive. And I'm, I'm looking at these things and I'm kind of looking at the market. And I was looking at people that were modifying them a little bit. And it just seemed like totally underrepresented. Like these trucks have such an important story to tell. Coming out of World War II, they were used in mining and logging and ranching and just all of these like tough, tough jobs. And, you know, if you needed to do something just brutal off-road, the Dodge Power Wagon was the vehicle to have. What was the power plant at at that time in those things? They all had uh, straight six engines. The first good 15, 20 years, they had a 230 cubic inch straight six. And uh, the last couple of years of their run, they went to a 251, which had a little more torque. But, uh, I mean, these were... These are tractor engines. Yeah, and they I were mean, geared maybe, uh, super low too, right? <laughs> yeah, stock gearing was 583s. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, you're going, I think what the top speed was probably 50 miles an hour or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and and if you're going 50, I mean, you are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a crazy man. I remember I had a, uh, a 51 Willys CJ flat fender. And yep. it, I had the original flathead in it, so uh, yep. I think it was 538 gears in it, and uh, had the original transfer case, but I put a Ranger overdrive on it, I think, uh, oh, yeah. and I, I think it was Atlas at the time they had bought it, or Saturn, maybe it was Saturn. Anyway, put the overdrive on it, and was going up the 405, and I had my GPS, and I put it on the on the dashboard. And I was uh-huh. able to hit 56 miles an hour on the 405, and that little thing was like, whoop! And here, here's the thing, and you probably understand this, but here's the thing about driving a vintage Jeep. Jeeps yeah. haven't changed much. So to the average no. driver, you just look like you're in a Jeep. It doesn't look like you're in a 60-year-old Jeep. So they're ripping around you, flipping you off, honking, and you're going, I'm going as fast as I can! And then you look in the rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> speed up, son! Speed up! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, that's that's exactly right. And then that's what it looks like when they're driving by you. You know, hey, buddy, get out of my way! But oh, doesn't that thing driving. go any faster? <laughs> <laughs> no, sure, it doesn't. And and for the guy sitting in the driver's seat, though, for you driving it, you know, fifty-six miles an hour, you feel like the time-space continuum is about... Oh, yeah. I mean, no roof, no doors. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's short wheelbase and, you know, the bell crank steering on those things. Mine was in yeah. decent shape, but it still had about two inches of play. And, you know, it's it's almost like the truck grooves on the freeway were helping to keep you in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so, right. you're, so you're bitten by this bug, Winslow, and it, you, you, you understand the nostalgia behind this brand. And, and then how do you just jump in? Well, so it started, so I'm, I'm pondering the vehicle, and then I'm looking around at what people had done, and then I started going to some car shows and things like that. So you go to a car show, and you've got all your American muscle cars and maybe some exotics and things like that, and then the trucks are like these second-class citizens that are off on the side. 
And it's like, oh, yeah, over there is the truck guys. By the way, it's still kind of like that today. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and so and then I'm going over and I'm looking at the trucks and, you know, hey, there's a there's a scratch in this thing. There's a run in the paint. There's, you know, why isn't this done right? And it's like, well, you know, it's just a truck. And so I said, gosh, why don't we take an early American truck and do just these mind-blowing concourse restorations to these things just jaw-dropping i'm looking i'm looking right now at your webpage legacyclassictrucks.com and i'm telling you winslow these these trucks will make anyone salivate yeah we're looking at the uh the red power wagon that you turn into an extended cab yes that one is one of my favorites and that one uh i think has a 620 horse blown v8 under the hood wow and so much, and I actually drove that thing around LA, and it was so much fun. For those of wow. you who are listening and trying to envision this truck, I think the best way for us to describe it is it's fire engine red, it's the old body style '40s power wagon, and it's exactly what would make kids smile on the corner when it drives by. It, it looks like a, a a full grown Hot Wheel. I mean, it's the type of thing that it is impossible as a truck enthusiast for you not to have a grin when you see this thing. It's that cool. The thing that was crazy was you go, okay, well, what's it going to cost to put one of these together the right way? And, you know, pretty quickly you're looking at numbers that are, you know, as much as my first house was. And um, people were like, you're crazy. But I had some money put aside, and you asked me how I did the first one. I just said, I'm going to do it. So I, I tore into it. I, I got into it in my garage. And so you, But wait, hold on, Winslow, hold on a second. But did you honestly have naysayers like family and friends going you're never going to sell these there's no market for this yes absolutely everyone thought i was nuts what did your yes. wife say when you told her hey i'm, I'm leaving the restaurant business and i'm gonna go out this really niche vehicle that could cost a quarter of a million dollars uh when i'm all said and done and uh-huh. uh that's gonna be what we're our living's gonna be off of what, i mean was she <laughs> high-fiving you going you crazy man this is why i love you or was it like um, I'm you know talk- what she said. To be honest, so the conversation. So I got the I got the first power wagon, and I was doing it in my garage. We only had a two car garage, and I start building this thing, and I say, you know, hon, this is this, this is this is a thing. This is going to happen, and we're gonna. I, I'm going to start doing these full time. You know, I just I have this vision. I can't get it out of my head. And so, what did she say? She said, get the hell out of my garage. <laughs> <laughs> she said, by the way, also a real thing is my appointment with the lawyer tomorrow. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, no, seriously, she was like, she's been so supportive of me the whole time. I mean, it's been incredible. And, and you guys know, like, how it is. You start off a, a new business, and no matter what it is, if you want to do it the right way, I mean, they're 14, 16-hour days, you know, six, seven days a week. And so... It's brutal. It asks a lot on the marriage. It asks a lot, you know, on everybody. But um, we went for it, and the first truck I got done, I did not have a buyer for it. I took it to some local car shows. People were like, holy cow. A guy walked up, offered me quite a lot of money for it, and next thing I know, it was on the trailer and gone. Wow. And you're in business. Yeah. Do you know where that truck is today? And and does it hold a special place in your heart as being serial number 01 from Legacy Classic Trucks? I mean, I I haven't seen it now for probably six or seven years. Um, I know where it is. It's at a very remote ranch in Wyoming. 
So I, I know where it is. I've seen it. Yes, it holds a special place. And today, uh, I think we're working on Power Wagon 103. Oh, my right God. Now. Wow. From 2008 Sorry. to 18. So 10 years, and, and you're in yep. the 100. You're past 100 yeah. now. Now, about, when, about, Winslow, did you ever consider, forgive me, but moving out of Wyoming? Because it's certainly not known as the car capital of the world and getting the resources, getting the parts, getting the engines, getting everything. I mean, granted, we're in the modern era, so everything can be UPS or FedEx. But I feel like a lot of these guys will launch these companies and then go, mm, I need to be in L.A. or Slash or Detroit or, you know what I mean? It's occurred to me, but I mean, there's, that goes, it, it goes both ways. So, um... On one hand, I guess really the, the people, the employees that I can draw, um, you know, I get like farm kids. They're, they're, you know, coming off the farm, potato farmers. They are used to the idea of, I don't know, round peg, square hole kind of engineering. And so you say, hey, take an engine out of a UPS truck and stuff it into a 47 Dodge. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I understand what you want. <laughs> and, and I bet their work ethic is way different than the kids that we get out here. I'll tell you that right drink, now. They don't smoke. They don't cuss. You know, I mean, these are these are good people. It's well, really okay, cuss. being in the shop environment, I think I think I would do all those things, but I'd have to cuss because that's the only thing yeah. that makes me get through the day sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> No, they're, they're really good people, and you, and you get them in and you train them up, and, you know, they're people that have made multi-generational commitments to one particular area, and they're just really, like, worth the investment. And, but are, are, are any of these kids, like, where the their dads are like, son, you're a farmer, you will always be a farmer, I don't want you messing around with this crazy lifted truck thing, that's a waste of your time and energy. Is that your farmer voice? No. I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As long as you're tr not moving to the city and getting a job with computers, I think they're probably pretty psyched. So what's your, uh, what's your waiting list these days? And then walk us through what's a typical build schedule. And well, I wanna, I'm dying to know how he chooses the power plant for these things because you could put literally you put a Lamborghini engine in one of these things. All right, well, let's, let's hit what's, uh, what's your waiting list right now? Waiting list is about I can start a new project in about eight months. Um, and it typically takes a year to a year and a half to build the wow. vehicle. Why, forgive me, but why so long? Because, you know what I mean? I, I watch Monster Garage, and you can make a lawnmower Mustang <laughs> in like a week. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, the magic of TV. You no, know, it, it's about the process. Yes. And if you want to do something the right way, every step of the way, it takes a lot of work. And the main thing... So hashtag hashtag no bondo right hashtag no bondo <laughs> that's right. When I want bedsides, um, new running boards, things like that, uh, I've got a guy who does all the tooling. Everything stamped in Detroit, um, hand finished here in Wyoming and Idaho, and like we do everything the right way every step of the way. That takes time. You're, you're literally but, building an heirloom type vehicle. Th this isn't something yeah. where in 20 years somebody will go. It's a, it was a nice restoration from the, you know, 2010, you know, whatever. And it pr could probably be done again. I mean, how many shows have you seen? Oh, it was an 80s restoration. It was pretty good, but you're literally right. building a truck that's, that's exactly every right. bit as good or better than the factory. That's, that's literally an heirloom-type vehicle. I feel kind of honored because we're talking to Winslow, who is the very top of the game, and he set out yeah. to do that. Like, we had the guys on from uh, Roadster Shop, which is, yeah. I don't know how you feel about Roadster Shop, Winslow, but... Uh, oh, they're awesome. Those they're, guys yeah. do they're incredible amazing. work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Obviously, different genres of a vehicle, but um, yeah. take us through how you 
decide on a build, you know? Like, it's yeah. not like we see on TV. Yeah, let's where, say a customer has called you and says, Winslow, I want a power wagon. Let's say their budget is unlimited. How would you walk them through the steps of deciding how to build the truck for them? And then what are the right. what are the components? I know that you know Dynatrack axles and Toyo tires, or those are some of the things that you do. But talk us through some of your partners and and why you chose those products. Typically, in in this day and age, someone sees a picture, you know, in Pinterest or Instagram or something like that, and goes, "Wow, you know, I need to have one of those." And then they hop on the website and they see the prices. You know, and if they're still standing, they, they, <laughs> send, me, they send me an email. And um, when when I know I've got someone serious that I'm talking to, my first question is always, what do you want to do with your vehicle? Because building a truck that can tow a four-horse trailer is very different than something you take to Moab and go rock crawling. So what do you want to do with your truck? How many people do you want to carry? Um, and they always, the first thing out of their mouth is they want, the, oh, it's got to be turbo diesel. I said, okay. Um, have you ever owned a turbo diesel before? You know, do you, <laughs> do you know what, you know, the, what the vibrations like on a 4BT Cummins, you know, are you sure that's what you want? <laughs> and, um, so we, we, we talk through it and our goal through one or two conversations is to put together what's called a build sheet that turns into a restoration contract, and that's our marching orders, and that build sheet follows the vehicle all the way through the shop. How so, often How often are you finding the vehicle versus the guy has his, uh, his grandfather's truck, and he brings it to you? So two-thirds of the time, I supply the donor vehicle. Okay, okay. But, though, you know, so you got the one-third... One Guy's got this uh, heirloom vehicle of some kind that he wants redone. It's the same conversation, but what's so cool about those is that they have this awesome story that comes with it. You know, my grandpa used to do this, and so, like, we could really find, like, hey, what's the history of the vehicle? What's, do you have any old My grandfather was like, a moonshiner, and he used to run from <laughs> yeah, the law, right? And I need a still in the back. <laughs> I'll bet you there are some really interesting stories behind some oh, of these cars. absolutely. Like, I had two kids in the back well, of this truck. And it's interesting, too, to note that, you know, uh, we're talking about Winslow's full-on, like, you know, pebble quality built. He also does full restorations if you want to keep it stock as well. You don't have to go all out right. with a crazy modern everything. Winslow, you'll actually keep bring those vehicles back to as good of a grade as they'll ever be in their in their life yeah. in terms of concourse. Yeah, we'll keep them we'll keep them stock. What makes me nervous is the guy that calls and says, I want a stock one. I say, Have you ever owned one before? And he says, No. And I say, Come out here and drive mine. And then you know, 10 minutes later, the truck comes back, and they're like, yeah, let's talk about... <laughs> <laughs> modern steering, modern drivetrain. Can I have a radio that works? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, what's, what's, what's interesting, though, is... Um, so trucks were designed for purposes, right? They're, they're designed for work. They're designed for doing something. So whether it's a milk delivery truck or, yeah, running moonshine or moving logs or what, whatever it is, trucks are stylized for some particular task. So when someone brings me a vehicle, when you look at something like, say, an original power wagon, you go, what is this thing's calling card? And so on a power wagon, big dramatic flat fenders, big tires, and a big, huge winch in the front. I mean, that's the way these things came. Oh, yeah. So you go, 
what is the personality of this vehicle? How can I improve upon this vehicle but not have it lose its soul? Boy, my job would be a lot easier if I bought a rolled-over 2004 Ram truck, slapped the old body on top of it, and said, okay, we're done, you know, here you go. Have you ever been and tempted to do that? No. Okay. No, it's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. And I would say, you know what? That's, a, that's what we call kind of, uh, an automotive moral compass. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, cab on scab. Yeah, exactly. And, I like uh, that term, yeah. Uh, I, I can p- pick them out from a mile away, and I bet some of them even drive nice, but it just ain't <laughs> right. Yeah, and especially when the not. wheel wells don't line up right with the body or the track <laughs> width isn't right. And Yeah, totally. you're right. They just There's something about it, and, and Lightning and I have talked about this over and over again. We've mentioned this on the podcast. The thing for me from a design standpoint that makes a vehicle like this successful is when you want to pick it up in your hand and play with it like a Hot Wheel. The proportions are right. The colors are right. That's what makes the vehicle. And it's funny from a proportional standpoint, when you see some of those where it's just the old body grafted onto the newer chassis, there are things that just visually don't line up and don't look right. And sometimes you can't tell what it is right away. But it's enough for you to not appreciate it in the same way you, you do it. You these. know what that's like? It's like when you uh, expose that my Chevy steering wheel was uh, <laughs> an inch and a quarter off, and, and now I can't drive well, it the same yeah, way. Yeah, so, so Winslow, we were talking about how the Chevy trucks for like the last 20 years, the steering wheel's offset. And I think we, we, we've been getting yeah. a lot of uh, reader or a lot of listener email where they have said, oh, by the way, thanks for ruining my work truck. Now every day I get in and the steering wheel bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right. so totally. Wins- Winslow, uh, forgive me for not knowing, what years were the power wagons made? From when to when and how many? So 1946, so right after the war. So Dodge had the market cornered on 4x4 four four military vehicles during the war effort. The war is over. Guys are coming back from overseas, and they're like, you know, damn, I wish I had one of those trucks we had, you know, over in France. Uh, We could really use one of those on the ranch. And Chrysler saw the opportunity and made a few tweaks to make it a little bit more civilian than military. (laughs) Civilized. We put springs and foam in the seats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They have a – so they started in 1946 – and they ran through 1968 here in the U.S. and through 1971 uh, overseas. Was there a huge so, distinction in the way they were outfitted, or was it basically the no, same truck all the way through the run? No. Same. I mean, there was minor changes in, like, the bed. Yeah. Um, it's like the stampings of the bed. So it doesn't really matter, from your standpoint, a donor's a donor regardless of the year that it it's is. It's the Jeep of the truck world. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. no, that's exactly right. And so, I mean, largely unchanged for this really long run. They made so many of these things. I don't know the exact numbers, but they made tons. But the problem is today, I mean, these are the work truck, and they were just beaten into the ground. Yeah. And so another thing working against me in the restoration, you know, you bring me your... 68 Camaro and say, hey, can you respray my car for me? And it's like, well, yeah, sure. Uh, 
we bring in one of these old power wagons. I mean, the first thing you got to do is get the harness nest out. Sure. And, you know, there's mice running around the shop and there's bullet <laughs> holes in the damn thing. And it's like, I'd keep you know, the bullet holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just ventilation. What's yeah, that whistling so, noise when I drive fast? Oh, that's a bullet hole in the back. <laughs> Don't worry about it, honey. Yeah, it, it, it's a bunch of work. And so the, the time involved is, is really um, eye-popping. And especially when you get in on our website, you'll see... All of these trucks came as regular cab trucks. We offer them as regular cab, as extended cab, and as a crew cab. Well, those are all hand-built in our shop. And so to make a four-door that doesn't look like a total, you know, Frankenstein hatchet job takes like 1,500 hours. What are your modern niceties? I, I know that you uh, engines can be a, a Cummins turbo diesel. We talked about 4BT. Um, do you ever do a 6BT and then also LS engines, you, the Chevy small blocks? So on the, on the website, you'll see we offer uh, Cummins turbo diesel. Um, I prefer the 4BT over the 6BT. Um, the 6BT is a very long yes. and very heavy engine. So when you go with a 6BT, you end up with this doghouse. Uh, oh, it inside. sticks past the firewall. Yeah, in this already very small cab. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure the truck. thermal management's probably an issue because the grill size isn't all that big either. Well, that's exactly right because it's, it's not so much the radiator capacity as it is the intercooler. Yeah. Um, that you can't get enough airflow across the intercooler to truly maximize the benefit of the 6BT, where uh, 4BT with a you know a decent tune on it, say 200 horse, 400 foot pounds, or 480 foot pounds, is plenty of power. What do these things and, weigh? When you're done, uh, between between 6,000 and 7,000 pounds. Okay, yeah, so you know 450 torques, not not bad at all for moving one of those things. It's not a race car, not but it'll it. get the job done. Yeah, and that's at, you know, 1,400 RPM. Yeah. So. I mean, listen, how many of these customers that are spending $200,000 are, are Ricky racing these things around yeah, the they're, streets? Yeah, they're not, right? You know, Jackson Hole. No. Well, I want to know, if I'm getting in one of these today, do I have a decent stereo and air conditioning? Uh, air conditioning, absolutely. And, yeah, you have a decent stereo. Most of my customers aren't really interested in a, you know, stereo that blows the windows out or anything. Do you just hand them a, uh, a, a set of ear pods and go, here's it. Here, <laughs> yeah. here, shut up, buddy. They're, they're, no, they're color got, matched to the vehicle. <laughs> you got some nice uh, six and a half inch speakers down the kick panels. You got a little uh, eight inch subwoofer under the seat. Oh, there you, you go. Can, yeah. uh, All right. You know, you can listen to the XM radio and Pandora and NPR and yeah, <laughs> NPR, do all that kind of stuff. Steering on the trucks is as good uh, as a brand new pickup truck which is amazing because my trucks all come on 40-inch tires. Are you using the steering geometry? Like, is it Super Duty geometry? Is it Ram geometry? Or is it your own deal? Like, what, it's, what it's, knuckles it's and my axles? Own, it's my own deal. It's a, a, a Saginaw-based uh, box, uh, crossover steering. And uh, another thing that's kind of interesting is these trucks all have leaf springs, uh, you know, front and back. And you go, oh, God, you know quarter million dollars i should have nope you know big big coil over i love leaf like springs that. i love yeah. leaf springs and they, they're simple they both locate the the axle and provide spring rate but if you yep. mix them with a nice shock 
There's just something. There's a way. The stability, the the simplicity. You don't need links. The way a leaf sprung suspension works, I think, is very underappreciated today, and so appropriate yeah, for and, that truck. And it, it, yeah, it, it, it's appropriate for the truck. And if you do a really nice job setting it up, which we do, it drives great. But it's got that firm kind of, you know, in certain circumstances, almost kind of bouncy sort of feel. It feels trucky. And so I want you to get in my car and experience something that you've never experienced before. And so for people today, that might be a leaf-sprung suspension. That might be a manual transmission, rolling your own windows up and down. There's a you place know, in like, heaven for you, Winslow Ben. You are, you are <laughs> doing the automotive <laughs> lord's work right there, my friend. You guys so, are, so go to, you got to see what we're talking about, LegacyClassicTrucks.com, LegacyClassicTrucks.com. We are going to have you back. So, so are, you ever in, are you ever in L.A.? Absolutely. Okay. I love LA, especially when it's snowing up here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Next time you and one of your vehicles is in town, give us a call. Let us know, and we'll, we'd love to have you down in the studio. You can have Wiener Schnitzel, Chili Dogs, and Dr. Pepper with us, and we'll, uh, <laughs> and we'll dig into some of the other things that you're working on. That sounds amazing. We're going to go so much, you guys. We're going to we'll go to Fontana. Good. We're going to go to Fontana and we're going to race the duck boat or whatever it's called <laughs> against one of his uh, power wagons. There we go. That's the showdown <laughs> of the ages, my friend. <laughs> so so that Winslow. That's great. Well, you guys take it easy. Keep it on four wheels. Absolutely. Remind us of your uh, your socials and uh, it's of course www.legacyclassictrucks.com. Yeah, the website's the best place to go. You can look up Legacy Classic Trucks on uh, Facebook, uh, Legacy Classic Trucks on Instagram as well. This was uh, this was absolutely fun for us. We love talking old trucks and seeing the stuff that you're doing. Right on. we we got to have you back on. Thanks. That sounds great. you got to right. take it easy. You're the man, Winslow. All right. All right. Thanks, Winslow. Talk to you soon. Thanks. See you, buddy. I like Winslow. I, think I, awesome. I love me some Winslow, but I, I as much as I love the Power Wagon, and I would love to take a ride in one. I'd, I'd love to own one, but really, that his dad's uh, the, the, duck, duck, the boat. duck boat story. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta have me some. I just think it'd be hilarious riding around Dude, Southern California. Your, your dually's about as big as a duck boat. Nah, so if you took close. one of those things, I've out, been in the duck boat. You get in way more looks in the duck. Yes, way more looks. Can you imagine going down Beach Boulevard in Huntington in the duck boat, and then going straight into the water? Yeah, straight off to Catalina. Yes, <laughs> oh, the greatest. Uh, did you know that we've got some? Uh, Inbox coming up? Say what? Yeah. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. Mm-hmm. And a quick reminder, if we read your email on the air, are we on the air? I guess the podcast. Yeah, we'll yeah we're on the air. Sure, I will send you a t-shirt. Assuming we still have some. We sent out a lot last week. Dude, a lot of t-shirts. Hey, we'd also love to get pictures of you in your Truck Show Podcast t-shirt. Did we get some? We haven't yet. Oh, yeah, that's weeks. There's sauce. people out there. Yeah, send us pictures of you next to your truck in your Truck Show Podcast t-shirts and tag yourself uh, on our socials. At Don't Truck Show you Podcast. dare. Oh, I ran into Brooke, Gary Woofter's daughter. Oh, you did? At the Four Wheel Parts event oh, in, yeah, um, right. in uh, Ontario, California. Ontario, yeah. yeah. And and I was yeah, she wasn't wearing it at the time, but she's like, oh, I love my shirt. It's the greatest thing ever. So... Okay, then. Right on. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. I don't shirt. know what kind of response I could have elicited from you. Well, than, I, yeah. I just want to see people enjoying their shirts. That's what I want. Yeah, you know, so they say they're enjoying the podcast. What you got over there? So I've got this one from Cody. He says, hey, guys, love the podcast. Been listening since the start. Oh, I nice. love it. A couple questions for you. Being closer to the truck industry than the general public, I have to ask, what do you know about the Jeep JT Scrambler? Is there any more that you know that we don't? Also, there's been a lot of times in the movies we've seen the hero or villain drive a truck 
or even be the truck, i.e. maximum overdrive. What are your favorites? Keep up the great work and the great shows, guys. Right on. Thanks, Cody. So uh, JT is the new JL Wrangler pickup. They're going to call it the Scrambler, we think, because that's what they filed for a patent on the name. And, it's a uh, trademark, by the way. Uh, trademark, by the way. Not Sorry. a patent. Patent's uh, you on know. a physical object. All right. right. Thank you. Or a, Pre- or, or a process. Appreciate that, <laughs> Professor Lighting. Uh, anyway, we uh, expect to see it at the Detroit Auto Show later this year. Um, or actually, I guess it would be January of next year would be the, the unveiling. Um, I do know a lot about it. And uh, there's, I just can't tell you about right. it. No, don't don't be a dick. I know, Make but this, this is I have non-disclosure agreements. Do on, you really? Yeah, I do. Like legitimately signed. Yeah, yeah. There's there's oh. stuff I do consulting stuff, and so I can't talk about stuff that I. You do. do tend to disappear like midweek, and then I don't hear from you, and you're like, oh, I was doing something somewhere. Yeah, no, that's true. That's can a, that's you? A all right, can, all right. So you can't talk about the power plant, right? Uh, no, I can. You can. They're all the same as the jail. Oh, okay. Well, then that <laughs> happened. Uh huh. Can you tell me about the stereo? Can you uh, tell same me- as the jail. Okay. Well, hmm. can you tell me about the load carrying capacity? I cannot. Oh, interesting. Can you tell me if it ha- what type of suspension it has? I cannot. Oh, I can really? tell you the front of the suspension is exactly the same as the jail. Oh, the, oh interesting. The <laughs> rear is different. I'm just telling you there's stuff that I can't tell you about. Right. And it, it is definitely, I can tell you it's going to be a four-door only. It's a crew cab only. Okay. Um, I can tell you that in the grand scheme of like, Personally, what I would buy, it's definitely on my list. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Would you be honest and say it's just cool and, yeah, kind of eh? No, I'd be honest and tell you if I liked it or not, but okay. I can I can tell you that it's on my personal list and I drive a lot of different stuff. Hmm. I can also tell you that that Ranger Raptor is pretty badass, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I haven't spent any time with the Ranger Raptor. This is just me following all the articles and news stories and all okay, that stuff. Okay, so you don't have any personal experience. No personal experience, experience on okay. Ranger Raptor, but Got it. this is like the right size, and it's just badass. And I built a long tra- travel 4x4 Ranger back in the early 2000s called Range Runner. If you look at Project Range Runner on Google, you'll see it. So I had the Ranger Raptor way before people. Everybody had pre-runner two-wheel drives. I had a four-wheel drive with a supercharger and a stick. Oh my and Lord. so the Ranger Raptor to me is like, that's sort of up my alley too. There are going to be a lot of guys excited about that truck. Oh man, there's going to be a t- both of those trucks. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, so I got one here from Justin Scroggins, our Scrogbog. Oh we- <laughs> yeah, writes it again. Okay, local. So, so he says, uh, "Hi, L and H. I got a huge smile. On my- <laughs> We're L and H. <laughs> <L&H> now. <laughs> I got a huge smile on my face yesterday commuting. You guys make my Bay Area commute less sucky. You had read my five star pa- podcast review, Scrogbog here. Mm-hmm. I had written the review because I'd been so happy with the content and banner." But now, having heard you rate it online, I'm wondering if you might send me one of those sweet size large podcast shirts you've been sending out. The truck build project I was thinking of was a pre-98 F250 or F350 four-door, titled as a diesel. That way it can avoid smog restrictions, but swap for a 12-valve Cummins. Uh, that would be called a Fummins, which is a Ford Cummins build. That's <laughs> yeah. actually a thing. Being that the title of the truck will be diesel and smog would not be applicable, is there any reason I shouldn't use a newer Cummins for my Fummins? Would I get that much better performance. Either engine would be modified for performance since it'll be my fun truck and not my daily driver. I've got big dreams, but I think it's possible down the road. Thanks for your time. Um, I would say that I would go to the latest after-treatment free diesel that there is. So pre-urea and DPF and then go wild. So what what years are we talking? It's different for all of them, isn't it? No, they all kind of had the same. Cummins was 06, so I think 05 and before was pre-emissions on those guys. Um, And just for fun, I'd go with a stick. 
All right, this one's from Chris Martin, the singer of Coldplay. Hey, no, Lightning at Home. No, no, different, different Chris no, Martin. Different Chris Martin. Okay. <laughs> hey, Lightning at Home. And I first discovered the podcast when Fred Williams posted on his socials that he was going to be on an upcoming episode. I listened to all the episodes so far, and the show is great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and I love your band. I really look forward to each week and what you guys will talk about. Holman's recent experience driving a big rig inspired me to write in. My daily driver is a 2018 Freightliner Cascadia Classic. I'm so jealous! <laughs> It has a centered steering wheel, a Detroit DD13, 12.8 liter, inline six coupled to a Detroit DT12 automated manual transmission. You guys may not be familiar with this type of transmission, but they're rapidly becoming the transmission of choice with a lot of companies due to their fuel economy improvements. It's not an automatic transmission with a torque converter, rather a manual transmission with a clutch and shift linkages, but controlled by computer. Well, that's interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You can feel and hear the clunks between gear shifts from 1 up to 12. This transmission is great for the hilly and high traffic routes I travel from New Brunswick into the New England states. As for my personal vehicle, I have a 1994 Chevy K1500. It also has a centered steering <laughs> By the way, it also has a centered steering wheel. I love how he's just mocking me. What a douche. Yeah, that's, awesome. are, I, that's why I want you to read that. I'm like, oh, this is so lightning. No, good. Well done, Chris. <laughs> well done. It also has a centered steering wheel being the last year of the old style body <laughs> interior. I have a strong affinity for GMT 400s as between dad and I. We've had seven trucks in the past 10 years. Unfortunately, my dad passed away two years ago, but I feel like he's riding along with me whenever I drive my pickup. That's I awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I know this is a long one, but I hope you have time to read it. Well, I just did. And I wouldn't mind a Truck Show Podcast t-shirt, but I have a feeling my size is not available, but that's okay. Well, he didn't even give his yeah, size. Yeah, he didn't, didn't give his I size. would love to send you one just for mocking me about my steering we'll wheel. Make, we'll make you a big one. If we have to stitch two of them together, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I mean, listen, they had a huge tour last year. Coldplay has plenty <laughs> of money to make t-shirts for Chris. I've got one here from... Uh, Frank Campos, who is uh, better known as Frank the Trucker, and we had read his email before, but he says, Hey guys, just heard episode 13, you guys read my review from iTunes. Well, to answer your question, I'm a trucker. I drive a gas tanker for a large oil company in SoCal. To answer your other question as to what I listen to on the road trip, it's all over the place. I'll start off by listening to Glenn Miller, Frank Sinatra, Garth Brooks, 80s Freestyle, K-Rock's Flashbacks, and finally, your podcast to end my trip. Nice. Also, you guys need to have a listener party at a brewery in OC. Make it happen. Keep up the good work and can't wait for the next truck journey. I'm a large, by the way. Frank the Trucker Campos. Um, we should do a, uh, a broadcast at some point. No, yeah, we you should. Know, absolutely. Live, live podcast. Honestly, if you guys want to email us at truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, I would love to uh, hear how many of you would be interested if we ended up somewhere. I mean, how many we do? What's, what's critical mass for us? Three guys? Four. Four? Four. I think we could do four. Four guys. But they have to all fit on the casting couch. Right. Oh, you're saying bring them here. <laughs> I don't think you want to bring come them here. here. If we had three guys, the first three to volunteer to listen to a podcast in studio, <laughs> but they have to sit on the casting couch that and take a picture. That would be interesting to actually have someone come to that our little Santa Ana studio. Yeah. So if you're local and you're listening and you feel like uh, taking your chances and your tetanus shots are up to date, um, come on down. All right. This one is from Dan Ortiz. Now, this one looks really official. It says military appreciation. And Dan's got a military, a USMC, oh, wow, Marine. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for making my morning commute tolerable as I traverse my way from Temecula, California to Camp Pendleton every day. I love the show with all the industry guests. They provide information and valuable insights to topics my friends and I are interested in. Oh, cool. 
Um, I've suggested the show to several of my coworkers and friends and has now sparked daily conversations, some heated about everything truck. Oh, that's cool. That's that's the perfect case scenario, whether you love it or hate it. I remember uh, my days circa 2000 as a young Marine living in the barracks and spending my entire paycheck. We had no rent or mortgage. That's kind of cool. On my cars and trucks. That tradition lives on in today's POV, privately owned vehicle fleet. Living in SoCal, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I work on Camp Pendleton with military contractors, civilians, and active duty Marines. And during my commute every day, I see all sorts of vehicles on base from those truly roadkill worthy to those which have been (laughs) featured at SEMA. I credit the geographically diverse backgrounds of the service members for such a variety of vehicles. If you were to drive through the base and on any given day, you'd see mall crawlers, hot rods, lifted trucks, muscle cars, coal rolling diesels, mini trucks, all amongst the common Oshkosh tactical vehicles. Which is awesome. Yeah, That image is awesome. That is really cool. By the way, he says coal rollers, so that's interesting. Um, Camp Pendleton, I mean, are they not? you got to remember, these guys are from other parts of the country, right? And they can bring their vehicle on base. Uh, so, so I'm sure they're not California trucks. So, Gotcha. Writing this email sparked an idea to invite one of the military vendors to the show to discuss future projects or some stories about their development on today's military fleet. Oh, we got some friends. Yeah, it might be interesting for those not around the military to hear about some of our awesome lineup of diesel-powered vehicles that are replacing the legacy Humvees. Oh, I like that. And you know that wow. very well. Mr. Gail yeah. Banks uh-huh. supplies the military, Oshkosh in yep. particular, with L5P, the Duramax power plant, in the new Joint Light Tactical Vehicle. Yes, he does. And he knows a thing or two about those trucks. Yes, he does. The Marines and I wanted to send a job well done to you two, and thank you for making our commute entertaining and informative while giving us something to talk about at work. Keep the shows coming. Oh, and he listed his fleet here. He's got a 2008 F-350. He's got a 97 Jeep TJ. Nice. A 2017 Ford Flex, his wife's ride. Of course it is. <laughs> of course, yeah. A 2014 BMW R1200 GS Adventure Bike. Oh, dude, who knew? He's got good taste. I was going to say, who knew the military <laughs> paid like this? What? Oh, he doesn't have, he probably doesn't have a, a mortgage or something. Yeah, right. That's the deal. Good for him. Um, he wants a shirt size XL. All right, dude, All I'm, right. Uh, Dan, I'm definitely sending to something. Awesome, man. And we know we've got a lot of military listeners who are listening around the world, and uh We've gotten a ton of emails from you guys, and we read them whenever we get them. Thank you so much for your kind words, but really thank you so much for your service, and we're glad that we can give you a little bit of uh, a piece of home, if you will. One more uh, review to read. You'll, oh, you'll is like this a it. one star? You'll like it. No. Oh. So we're at 105 stars now. Oh, hot damn. Yeah. 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 High five. There it is. All right. This one's from Fully 46. Fully 46. Awesome show. Love, By the way, that sounds like a like a, a blonde, band a or, something. or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Love the show for those hard to find specialties. By the way, a forty six would be huge. Yeah, big. <laughs> <laughs> Love the show for those hard to find specialty and custom machine parts. This show is very informative. The mounted parameters <laughs> of the show flow very well. <laughs> and he says, uh, "You guys are hilarious. Thank you for minimizing the suckage." All right, man. Five yeah. stars. We appreciate your review. And I do. High five! monitor, key, engine, parameters. That's right. Oh, mounted parameters. Love it. We need a t-shirt that says mounted parameters. Is that what we need? I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed that nobody let us know who she is. or Nothing. We have I zero. Mean, we didn't do any legwork. I, I yeah, suppose yeah. I could have called the Ultimate Call yeah, Challenge yeah, but... people and said, like, hey, who was the announcer chick? But... Uh, by the way, I'm still also disappointed that every time I look at uh, my my socials, I do not see mounted parameters trending. <laughs> monitor, key, engine, parameters. All right, so I'm pretty excited for our next guest who, uh, if you remember back, we've had uh, 
David Freiberger on. Yep. From Roadkill. Yep. Fred Williams from Dirt Every Day. Right. A lot of that genesis of where those shows came from came with another journalist back in the day who were friends and a co-worker of David Freiberger, and that's Rick Payway. You might remember we actually have emails from people who said, hey, we'd love to have Payway on. I was wondering, because I'm not all that familiar with him. I, I got to be honest, I feel like I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a Jeep guy growing yeah. up. Uh, you were a lot around them, a lot yep. more than I was. But he is, why is he the Jeep? I know he's he's off-road guy, yeah, yeah. but he's kind of unofficial, you know, he's the, like the prince the, of Jeeps. Yeah, you know, even within, t- let me put it this way. So on the new Wrangler JL, there's actually an homage to Rick Payway that the team snuck onto the Jeep. Wait, okay, what? So, so you know that Jeep is famous for the little Easter eggs mm-hmm. that are hidden like on the back of the, I think it's the Renegade, there's Sasquatch walking. and No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm actually not familiar yeah, with so that. Yeah, so Jeep has all these little Easter eggs they hide all over the vehicles. Really? And Rick Payway actually got his own on the new one. That's how important he is to the Jeep brand. He's sort of a brand ambassador. And he's sort of like known as the Zen guru of all all things Jeep. Okay, that's awesome. But we're going to have to circle back around to the to the Easter egg thing because- Yeah, he, for, may, not, all, he may not admit it. For, that's fine. But for all those of you that are listening, if you're surprised with me, like, I, you know, when you go to Disneyland, I don't know if you guys yeah. know this or not, there are- Hidden there, Mickeys. There are hidden Mickeys, the yeah. little, little outline of Mickey's face. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Right, the like, three circles. Right, right. But they're everywhere. everywhere. And, and there's actually books written of where they all are to see if you can find them all. Like right. it's a big, it's a, it's an insider thing to Disneyland. Same thing on the Jeeps. There's a ton of little Easter eggs hidden all over the the newer, later generation ones. And Rick is important enough; he has his own. So let's give him a call and uh, and talk about. Yeah, please do. You know, dial. Hello, Mr. Rick Payway, Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. Hey, hi guys, how are you? Good, good, really good. Hey, before we talk to you though, we've got a lot to get to, but we've got to play your intro. Here we go. Yo, the truck show! <laughs> who dis, who dis, who the hell is this? A truck show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs <laughs> in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come to be? Who dis, who dis, truck show represent. Who dis? <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoy that there, Rick. Oh, that's good stuff. Good stuff. So before you, you are officially or unofficially... The like brand ambassador for Jeep, and there's we 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 were just talking about that before we got you on the air. There was so much to get to. Where do we want to start? With, I don't know. With well, Rick? Let, let's start with letting Rick know that he's got fans who listen to the podcast who actually asked us oh, to yeah, get Rick yeah, on. Yeah. Right. So we've had Fred Williams, who used to work for you. We've had David Freiberger, who you've known for at least a hundred years uh, from oh, Roadkill. And we have talked to both of them on the podcast. And somebody said, "Hey, you've had Fred on. You've had uh, David on." Get Rick on. And uh, one of our listeners <laughs> said that he was working for a 4x4 shop, and you had come in, and he didn't realize that it was the Rick Payway, and you actually gave him a set of XJs, or XJ seats, for his XJ out of your stash. And he said that was the coolest Rick Payway experience ever. He wrote in and told us that. He will never forget as long as he lives. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. Hey, he needed some seats. I had some extras. It's, it's a Jeep thing, right? There's that camaraderie there for sure, definitely. Guys helping guys in the Jeep world. How did you get started, Rick? Because you are like the authority in so many different areas in off-roading, but you probably didn't start like that. Was that high school? Where? Take us back for a minute. 
Oh, it was, it was far before high school. High school, I mean, that's when I actually got my first Jeep when I was 15, and that was great, but it started earlier than that because I was born and raised in Alaska, and my dad was a geologist, and guess what? We went out in the field and did geology and Jeeps, so I thought it was normal to go out and get stuck in so, the mud, in well, the, mud, in the is, mire. Hold on. You are officially the first person I've ever spoken to that's an actual, or your father was an actual geologist. Oh, yeah, is... he was he was a world famous uh, glacial geologist. Spent spent a year in, uh, or excuse me, a season down in Antarctica. Oh yeah, what? He's... Oh yeah. And how was that growing up? I, like you just said, you thought it was normal, but that's a really <laughs> unique job. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really blessed to have uh, a family and a father that actually traveled all over the world and did geology because I mean, geology is is the basics of life which is where Jeeps come from. Without geology, there's no life. Without life, there's no Jeeps. It, it, it all relates. I like that. That's like the circle <laughs> of Jeep right there. Right? The, cir- the circle of Jeep. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. I won't do that. Okay, Sorry about thank that. Thank you. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> so, you know, I think what people are really interested in is, is and I know from, from my standpoint, before I was ever a magazine guy, I had actually met Rick at the very first Offroad Expo in like 2000 or 2001 or something like that as a reader. And uh, I remember sheepishly walking up to Rick, and it was at the booth, and there were magazine editors, and I've been reading these guys that are my heroes growing up. And I was like, are you, are you Rick Peewee? And he looks at me and goes, Peewee. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you oh you're old and salty. All right. Um, and that was like, you know, 15, almost 20 years ago that, uh, oh, you know. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it is. It's 18 years ago. And, you know, I get a lot of that. Especially with my name, they say Q P B Pop Pop. You know, they, they can't figure it out. It's just it's payway, like pay your way. It's oh, there you just go. That there simple. Go. There you go. So when I was growing up, reading all of your stuff, the things that fascinated me were your dead tours. And we talked to that. We talked yeah. to uh, Fred about that. That's where Dirt Every Day comes from. And talked to David Freiberger about that. And you were legendary for getting stuck and being broken, or some think breaking on purpose. So that you can battery stick weld a wrench to your drive shaft in order to get home. Like that is that is what Rick is known for. Talk us through some of your crazy. <laughs> is that a cat in the background? What's going on there, Rick? Okay, so one of my favorite ones was was out in Moab, Utah. And we had this yellow K10 Chevy truck that we took on Ultimate Adventure. Right. Well, it was at its end of its life, and I'm taking it through Upper Hell Dorado, which is one of the <laughs> I remember this. killer trails, right? Oh, you were there? Okay, see? <laughs> so all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but the rear just drive shaft decided to go into two pieces. And since it is a one-piece shaft, that's not really good. <laughs> so we go, oh, boy, now what do we do? Well, we didn't have any pieces of metal or anything except a pole pal spade. So, Max Vermillion and, Pe- and Pat Vermillion from Pole Pal said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Remember, they're also the guys that have the Premier Power Welder. So, they took the onboard welder, burned a piece of metal out of their state of the Pole Pal, and welded it back together onto the drive shaft classic. so we could get out of there. Oh, it was classic. Absolutely perfect. Was that the yellow truck? That was the yellow truck, yes, Okay, sir. do you remember I was riding with you? And I had never been on uh, El Dorado before. Oh, and where, 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 yes. where is yeah. this, by the way? Where in is Moab, Utah, okay. in, in yeah. a private park called Area BFE, which okay. some enthusiasts rescued in order to keep it open for the wheelers. So they rescued it, bought the property, and turned it into an off-road park. So El Dorado 
is this nar- like if if it's like ten times the Rubicon, and at the end of it, there's a waterfall. You go up. Most people use a winch, and not, some people don't. And it's spectacular. But there's this one section you go through that has the if the trail is let's say ten feet wide. You're in a canyon. On your right hand side, halfway there's a ledge that sticks out like five feet. Majority of people put their right tires up on the ledge. And then at a 45-degree angle, crawl through this canyon. Oh, wow. So I'm in this beautiful K-10 uh, Ultimate Adventure truck that Rick had built. And Rick goes, what line are we going to take? And I said, well, we're going to do X, Y, Z. He goes, no, we're not. Rick shoehorns the thing flat between the ledge and the wall. What? And completely starts caving in my passenger door, leaving long yellow stripes from paint all down the canyon as the truck is groaning and moaning its way through there. We're just laughing our asses off. You should have seen Sean's eyes, too. I mean, here comes the rock, here's the door, and his eyes get bigger and bigger as they keep looking at me and the rock, me and the rock. You know, of course, the window window is down in the door, so it's not like it's going to explode on him or anything. But, yeah, he, he, he didn't get it, but I think after that point... Sean was fully involved in four wheeling. That, that was a turning point for sure. Yes, that was uh, that was early in my uh, in my off road journalism career. I have uh, Rick to thank for that. Was were you going on those kind of adventures with your father? Was he that kind of an off roader, or was it? Uh, how did you pick up that lifestyle and the, and the cojones to do the stuff you you do now? Well, that was interesting because he used he used the jeeps strictly to get out to look at the geology and then walk, whereas of course. You know, I, I like the driving part, and I like the camping part, and I like being out and doing all that stuff. So once I was on my own, after, of course, I learned to drive, I found that road trips and getting out there was exquisite. The problem was you had to have all the proper tools and everything because if you broke, because, of course, I had old vehicles, you needed to know how to fix them. Now, my dad... Barely could use a drill. He was he was a geologist, not a mechanic. So I had to te- <laughs> I had to teach myself, and that's what I did with my forty five Jeep. I got it. I tore it apart. I drove it through the wall once. Uh, I rolled it off a cliff once, and I learned really quickly that I had to know how to fix things, especially when I'm out in the middle of nowhere. The famous dirt every day that you and Freiberger were on. Was it Freiberger who had the broken leg? Because there's an infamous picture of you guys in your flatty, and his cast is hanging out on the flat fender of the passenger side, I think, if I remember correctly. Well, believe it or not, that wasn't a dirt every day, but that was a trip up Surprise Canyon. Before they closed it. Before they closed it, unfortunately. And what he did was crawl up on a boulder to take the most awesome photos. Well, he fell. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it was not his best moment. But the photos he got were really incredible, especially out of a place that you cannot drive anymore. Yeah, really, it was almost like uh, you were documenting it for history because not too long after you guys took that, it was shut down forever and why, you can't why? go up there. Why? Environmentalist. Right. Oh, okay. It was an amazing place in Death Valley up this um, creek or, or stream bed up waterfalls, and you would winch up, and, and t- I mean, just amazing. It was like the quintessential trail. If it, if it wasn't the Rubicon, it was Surprise Canyon that was on your bucket list. Now, right. It, it was really the main one, and it was known as a winch trip. I got invited to go to it, uh, I, I believe, one of the first times back in about 91 or so by a member of a different magazine group, and that was really cool. What I didn't know at the time was – Freiberger was there as well, but I didn't know him. This is like five years before I knew him. And at the end of the trip, 
he comes up to me. And I'm thinking, who's, who's this young kid, right? <laughs> Little did I know that he was stalking me. And five years later, he was the guy that was going to hire me to go to four-wheel and off-road. For all those people that talk smack about uh, someone beneath them, yeah, dude, you never know who's going to be a boss one know. day. Never know. You never know. Oh, yeah. So, R- Rick, tell me about the first time that you got into trouble off-roading. Like, you, you just kind of just casually said, well, I rolled down a hill one time. I mean, we're, <laughs> w- w- tell me about the first time. There's got to be one that sticks out as being, I almost died. This, like, shaped how I drive from there on forward. Okay, so that's got to be the first one is when I almost died by rolling off, off a cliff. I was out with my buddies. I had one in the back. I had uh, my other best friend with me. We had our seatbelt on. We didn't have a roll bar. And he says, go up that hill. I said, okay. And I go up the hill. I get up on top of this hill, and I realize I have to make a fast right, or we're going to go left down this cliff. Well, we went fast down the cliff. Uh, Ended up upside down. Engine's ready. I turn it off. Then I go, now what? Right? Nobody, nobody got hurt. Guy in the back flew out like a bird, and he still, unfortunately, walks with the limp to this day. Oh, that no. Was, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was in 73, okay? So that tells you something. Tells me that the ground about, was a lot softer in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> this is in the city. So I walk home. It's five miles. I walk in. There's mom and dad. I go, got good news and bad news, dad. And he goes, what? Remember, he's also getting on a plane to go to Russia in like uh, an hour. I go, <laughs> well, I rolled my Jeep. And he goes, and? I said, everybody's okay. And he goes, well, that's good. Let's go get it. So that was the kind of attitude that my dad impressed me with. It was that, so you have a problem. Figure it out and move on. Uh, Rick, how many continents have you been wheeling on? I know you and I together have been have been wheeling on three. We've wheeled in Australia, New oh, Zealand yeah. together. Of course, the North America and Africa. Yeah. Where else have you been? Oh well, let's see. Other than other than Antarctica and Greenland, uh, all of them. So that would be all China. Yeah, you had an yeah, epic cross China trip, like what ten years ago? Especially since I didn't know anybody there. That was really cool. Uh, but again, it takes you back to the Jeep world is, is like a family. I would say that you can go anywhere in the world, and if you find somebody with a Jeep, they go, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Now, I'm not saying about anything, any other brand that doesn't, but it's more so with Jeep. Yeah, Jeeps are special. Else. Jeeps are definitely oh, special. Hold on. Remember, one of the, one of the taglines back in the 50s was the sun never sets on the mighty jeep and that's because they were made in every single continent other than of course antarctica <laughs> right antarctica and, they, and they, maybe maybe greenland i'm not sure about that how yeah, how many other. do you own right now if somebody asked you to throw out a number how many jeeps are in your possession as we speak can, can, can i qualify that yes no <laughs> no okay let's just say 25 <laughs> and at your peak, how many Jeeps did you own? I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> where, where, how do you, do you have a warehouse by your property? Like, where do you store 25 Jeeps? Um, so without going into legalities, I've got a few of them here at the house. Okay. I've got one in New Hampshire, one up in Georgetown, you know, near the Rubicon. I got one in, 
North Carolina or South Carolina, I forget which one it is. So you can just fly into a city and, t- and, and pick up your own Jeep. That's amazing. So some people stash oh, a yeah. woman in every city. So that they, right? And Rick has so a yeah, Jeep in every city. See, so here's the deal. I can pick up a Jeep in any city, but that doesn't mean it runs. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good yeah, point. You're, you're forgetting about that very critical part. I, I will tell you, uh, knowing Rick, to know Rick is to... Always have a Jeep mechanic at your disposal. In fact, I remember my old uh, CJ flat fender. Uh, I was in Moab, and Rick had brought you know brought his old patinaed flat fender, and I was having carburetor issues in oh, Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard, and in the sand dunes just south of Moab, Rick rebuilt my carburetor. For me, that's not that. I've done quite a bit of stuff in the sand. In fact, probably one of the best trips I had was. Crossing Africa, 2,500 miles of sand dunes in a World War II Jeep with a, a couple other guys. Because why not? <laughs> why not? Well, yeah, absolutely. So for those of you that remember the Rat Patrol, which was a uh, an action drama World War II show in the mid-60s, the basic concept was you're running around in the North African desert in a Jeep with a 50 caliber Montus machine gun shooting up the enemy. Well, it was actually based, in fact, on the Long Range Desert Group, which was a British uh, organization. So there was a couple of Brits, restored a couple of Jeeps, and they invited me to go along with them to basically recreate the 1941 uh, trip. So I did it, and I ended up rebuilding all of those carburetors (laughs) as well in the middle of the sand dunes. How many countries did you go through on that trip? That I could tell you about? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of the problems when I emailed back home and said, yeah, we had to slip into Libya last night. <laughs> oh, oh, man. My Lord. Yeah, that was that was not necessarily good at the time. In fact, I would not do that uh, trip again. Now, now, Rick, next to Jeeps, are you partial to any other tr- any other off-road vehicles, trucks, or do you have a, a particular brand that you, you go to if there's not a Jeep handy? I mean, it's, it's kind oh, of a structural podcast. Yeah, yes, so- yeah, absolutely. It would be a Jeep truck or a Jeep wagon. <laughs> <laughs> J-truck. <Yeah>, Touche. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. How did you get into How did you get into journalism? Because you, you, coming from Alaska, and then I got I got to say, Freiburg, simple as that. I mean, in high school, I did my first paper on the history of the Jeep, and hey, believe it or not, I got an A. It's really pretty good. I got to admit, I read it the other day. And then after that, I mean, I had my own photography business, and I wrote a few things, of course, in college because I'm a geographer and I had to write professional papers on desert dust and such. And then all of a sudden, Freiberger asked me if I wanted a job. Now, remember, this is after after having an off-road store for 15 years. In Arizona, right? Yeah, in Arizona. And I said, why would I want to move to California of all places? <laughs> so I did. Because you're not <laughs> one to turn down a challenge, right? This sounds insane. <laughs> but the cool thing was, I mean, Weber at that time, of course, he's younger than I am, and he still is, obviously. But I said, so David, well, what do I do? And he says, just write like you talk. And I went, Wow, that's really good advice. Fortunately, I was at the right place at the right time. Same way with JP Magazine. After two years being tech editor of Four Wheel and Off Road, our company, Peterson, had bought JP Magazine out of Florida. We bought the whole group. 
and we didn't bring the old editor with us, even though he was very good. And I said, you know, this is something I'd like to do. So that's how I got to be editor of JP the first time. Do you recall, Rick, the very first article you ever wrote? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. It was a feature. Oh, wow, yeah, not even a, a little tech article or a... No, I was a feature editor. That's how I was hired. So it was on a big Chevy lifted truck back in... It was in the... Please in the tell me it had... Did it have neon shock boots on it? Oh, absolutely. Super swappers? On 16.5 welds? Because remember, Fiberger had already taken over four-wheel and off-road. So uh, there was no more chrome. There was no more junk. It was yeah. real world, right? Yeah. And, and you were doing I, probably like junkyard MP205s. MP full on. Yeah. Full on. But we still had this feature, and I had to write it. I'm like, how am I going to do this? So the cool thing about it was that it had two frames. Why did you have two frames? So that they could have a lifted truck and still have the bumper height and the light laws still in effect. Oh, how funny. That's oh. right. They'd use stacked frames back in the day for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Stacked frames. And, of course, I had to call the, the feature double vision. <laughs> I think I'm correct here. So from, from the editor of JP, you became the editor of Four Wheel and Off-Road. And then you were the content director for the Off-Road group. And today you're the editor of JP again. Yeah, pretty much that's it. Yep. So, Absolutely. So Rick has been a staple of the Off-Road you know, uh, magazine editor community for how long now, Rick? Uh, 25 some years as far as far as in, in editorial i mean i go back further with uh you know having my own shop working in other shops and what year were you inducted into the off-road motorsports hall of fame that was 2010 uh, the funny story for me in uh talking about rick there's rick is known for not wearing shoes <laughs> he always has sandals on. Okay. And at the Absolutely. his induction. Doesn't Freiberger also do the flip flop thing? Oh yeah. Okay. And at the Yeah, but this is a little different. I have sandals. He has flip flops. Yeah. He has, yeah. Oh, Rick big, wears big the distinction there. Big distinction. <laughs> so so Rick was wearing shoes that night. Yes, I did. And his and I had a suit on too. Which was super weird. So after I after the induction ceremony, went up to the room. Off the shoes, put on the sandals with the suit. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, I hear that, are you consulted by some of the off-road companies, including Jeep? Is that is that a thing? I'm always free to offer my advice to anyone that's willing to listen. Can we see any Rick Payway influences on, say, <laughs> one of the later model vehicles? Yeah, probably you can. In fact, if you look at a JL, and I think Sean, Sean is well aware of this, <laughs> if you look on the plastic top that goes around where the wiper motor is, you can see a very vague imprint of a pair of sandals on every new JL Wrangler. So if you're driving so, a JL Wrangler right now, Go out. If it's nighttime, it's easier with a flashlight. If your Jeep is dusty, you cannot see it. It's so faint. Really? It's so faint. But if oh, you yeah. catch it with the right light and the angle of the light is very shallow, now, where there are this, a pair where, of sandals. Where is this on the top you're talking about? It's, it's on the cowl or next to the windshield wiper on the passenger side. Interesting. And that is a nod to the Rick Payway and his influence and help with the Jeep brand. That is the coolest thing. Right? And I, I gotta say, it is pretty cool. You're right, Sean. Um, do you and you remember the uh, the Commander? The Commander was a, a three row Jeep that came out in the early yes, 2000s. I remember it. So there was a drive that Rick was on, and his sunglasses was it kept sliding off of the dash, right. and so right. he told them the dash cannot be flat or rounded right there. You need to have a pocket 
so you can put mm-hmm. sunglasses in things. And Jeep went back and they added this little, you know, uh, a divot, a divot or uh, an impression <laughs> into the dash with a little rubber mat. And they called it the payway shelf. No, they did and not. And every commander yeah. has that place to put your sunglasses on it because of Rick. And I got to admit, you know, it's not just because of me. It's it's because it's obvious. And it makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense. My, my issue is that I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut when something needs to be said. But aren't you amazed? You're like, how did you guys not think of this? Did you not get in the truck and use it beforehand? Oh, yeah. and, and you're like, pretty much that's what I said. R- R- Rick and I have had the pleasure I've certainly had the pleasure of, of, of being with Rick where a manufacturer invites us in, shows us a product maybe two, three, four years in advance and says, what do you guys think? When you say show your product, are they showing you on like CAD no. or something? Because if when you see it in clay, person, clay models or bucks or mules or pictures, we've seen it all. And Rick and I were the two journalists. So we were told by the, the people at FCA, we were the earliest any two people outside the company have ever come in to consult on a vehicle that didn't work within the walls. And that was really difficult to do because some of the higher-ups had said, there is no way we'll ever yeah. let anybody in. Yet the engineers and the people that knew valued our opinions and said, hey, come on down. Rick and I gave them, cool. I think it was, what, 30 items, Rick? Yeah, about, about that. So we gave them 30 items to fix on the new JL. They fixed tw- about 20 to 25 of them. And addressed in some way the remainder of yeah, they did what we're a told. really good job. Half of that was they knew that, but they needed someone else to, to validate what they were saying. I, I'm speechless. That's so cool to have that imprint to to have the juice. If you're that they're calling, if you're you, driving a JL right now, there are certain things that we probably can't tell you about. But if you're enjoying it, oh, I guarantee yeah. you, you're enjoying it because Rick and I said something about it. Right. I want to know, out of all the dirt every days that you ever did or your your dead tours, what was your favorite and why? Oh, favorite dirt every day. I got to say it was, it was the yellow laddie that Freiberger and I flew into Utah with a bag of tools and our sandals, <laughs> fixed it up in the guy's yard, went on a wheeling trip, got 10 miles out of town, and the thing developed a rod knock. This is like a 52 flat fender, right? And it had been sitting a long time, right? Like oh, like decades. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we did a good job. It was just an inherent problem. So we went back to town. We limped back to town, went to a used car lot, and found a 76 Ford two-wheel drive pickup for $800. <laughs> <laughs> it needed a fuel pump. The bed was full of leaves. We went across the street and bought a fuel pump. The guy at the pawn shop next door loaned us a flashlight so we could fix it. <laughs> the other guy gave us a used battery. We then went went to a place that changed the oil. The, the oil change place, Jiffy Lube or whatever. The guy there knew who we were, loaned us a tow bar to tow the Jeep all the way back to California. This was in Salt Lake City, right? <laughs> We make it all the way back to my place up in the Santa Monica Mountains, and the right front wheel falls off. <laughs> of the Jeep or the truck? Of the Jeep. I fix that. I fix the motor with leather to, to fix the main bearing. I take it over to Freiburgers. It sits for another 15 years, and that's the story where we went and put it on roadkill. 
unfreaking believable. Do you feel ripped off by some of the uh, the reality TV shows where they have to have twenty producers to come up with a plot that for some storyline that you lived in nineteen seventy seven? You know what I mean? Like there, it's just it's ridiculous because real life is always yeah. better than reality. It, but and Rick's the real deal too. Well, how do you feel about that stuff these days, Rick? You, you just got to smile and laugh. I mean, when all these guys cross their arms with their flat, flat-filled hat and and put all this invented drama in there, you go, yeah, okay, whatever, and they're done that. You know, we have fun. Like for, when Freiburger and I go out, or Fred and I go out, we actually have fun. We enjoy ourselves, and there's no drama. I, I did Ultimate Adventure for 15 years, right? And that's a big part of it. You have a video crew to document what's actually happening. And we had one guy, one producer that said, well, we got to have more drama in here. We have to, like, maybe hit a cow and laugh about it. I went, what? <laughs> no. Oh, let's accidentally hit a cow. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know where it came from, right? <laughs> Man, you are you are full of stories. I don't know if uh, we're ever going to get you into the studio, but we'd love to have you come in without such a crappy phone connection and actually <laughs> yeah. and have to have some wiener schnitzel with you and uh, or maybe crack a beer. One of the two. Uh, Rick? Yeah, I can't believe we don't have a, a better connection. You know, in this day and age of high tech stuff. Well, well, we'll get we'll get Rick down here. Rick Rick comes down here from time to time. I'll tell you, he's a connoisseur of the uh, the. Corona, sans lime, no fruit in his beer. Absolutely. Let me know when you need me to come on down there, and uh, I'll bring the beer. Fantastic. Oh, deal. All right, next week. <laughs> All in. All right. All right. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate your time. You're the man. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. Fun. Talk See you. Later. Bye. Bye. And Rick Payway. Wow. That's uh, so. I know kind of so uh, a lot, so little about him. Yeah. But but damn, things that you know about, but he's touched in a lot of ways. Here's the thing. I so or I, I, I'm really impressed by. Well, you know what? I'm impressed that our listeners know who he is. Yeah, the Jeep community obviously knows who he is and and uh, and reveres his opinion. Sure, but he's also a truck guy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, clearly he's just an off road guy. He's off road, but he's partial to Jeeps. Yeah, you know what that's I mean. That's, that's cool. You're a truck cool. guy. You're partial to Chevys. We get that. I, I, I listen. If you're going to take me out of Jeep, by the way, it's been I don't know. This is our fifteenth episode. You know what I haven't done? Gone out four wheeling with you. I know. So here's the deal. Right now, my Jeep is at Bilstein. They're upgrading the suspension. We're doing two tube bypass shocks. I had the prototypes on, and now they're putting the production ones on. The Jeep is going to be able to go out to the desert and haul freaking butt when we're done. Okay. And I'm going to take you out on the maiden voyage, and we're going to go. We're going to go do like hundred miles do, in one day. I, I want to do, and I'm fine with it. I want to do an episode from the road. All right, that'll be interesting. We can totally do that. I think we need to camp overnight though somewhere. We can because we need we need campfire stories. With we the, with, we can with, uh, all right. The crackle and the marshmallows. Do they do? Is that is that kind of like? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay. but but if you're going to be with me, yeah. there's going to be really good bourbon, right? And a cigar, probably. I'm not. I'm not sleeping in the same. You do uh, not. Okay. You will not. If you're with me, you will not sleep anywhere near me. Okay, good. Uh, and if you don't wake up in the morning, I may leave you. Okay. Uh, so next week, I'm getting my new long termer to replace. The Ford Raptor that just went back. We had that for a year. That was our 20, uh, 2017. What's, what's the Nissan outside then? So that's our long-termer from the truck trend side, and I'm oh, just borrowing it while I don't have a vehicle. That goes back to uh, Brett Evans, who was on before. Mm-hmm. That goes back to him tomorrow. And I head to Detroit to do a road trip with my daughter across the country to go Detroit back to SoCal in a Colorado uh, Redline edition. Oh, that's not fair. I mean, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, so my new long-termer from the 2018 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year award is a Colorado ZR2, and that will be here next Monday. 
So I'm going to need to take that out to the desert to do photography and stuff. If you want to hit the road in that thing, it probably won't be as fast as the Jeep, but if you want to hit the road and go camping, I know exactly I'm not where about, we're going. Listen, I'm not about the pre-running and all that stuff. I, I want to get to a trail that you know only God has seen. Okay. You know what I mean? I want to see the one a trail that only the, forest, the forestry <laughs> service has been on and, and you and me. I, I can take you to a trail some people know about. It's the original wagon road into California. It goes from the literally the banks of the Colorado River into Barstow, 180 miles long, and it's all on dirt except for about five miles of it. I'm all in. I'm like, can we stop at a mine on the way out? Are oh, there any abandoned yes. mines? Not only I, I'm all about abandoned mines. Abandoned mines, mm-hmm. abandoned fort sites. What? Uh, lava tubes. <gasps> uh, the SEMA cinder cones. What? Um, crazy. Oh, is that wolf. off SEMA Road? C I M A. Uh, off Zizix. It's part oh, it's of it. Off but it's on. It's out in the desert. Side. Oh, you guys have no idea how. If you're not from the West Coast, you have no idea yeah. what you're missing. There's so many amazing yeah. scenic spots out in the desert in the middle of freaking nowhere. We have a road called Zizix. Yeah. It's how does it spelled? It's Z Z Y Z. X, I think. So the whole purpose of that is the guy had like a health spa because there was a natural spring there, and he wanted the spa to be the very last uh, word in the English language. He invented this word Zizix. So if you're driving from LA to Vegas, when you're coming up close to state line, you'll cross a freeway off-ramp that says Zizix on it, and you will go, why? Well, that's the story behind Zizix, and I will take you out there and show you the dirt side of Zizix. Is there, where's the buried bathtub with jewels in it? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't, talk to, I can't tell you. But you really can't? Because my friend said the same thing. Did you, did you ever read? There's a bathtub in the middle of the desert with, buried, uh, with, with, uh, with uh, like beads and jewels in it. Did you ever read The Golden Mountain as a kid? No. All right. So basically this guy's out on horseback and he comes across this golden mountain and he kicks it and a nugget comes off of it and he puts it in his pocket and he goes back in the town and it's this mythical mountain that everybody's been trying to find. Trades the gold in for money, buys a ranch, lives a happily ever after while everybody else spends all their money trying to find it again. I mean, it's really a, a, a parable about happiness and all that stuff. Right. But that's like the thing. Like, if you come across in the desert, you can just appreciate it and move on. Oh, my God. And there's the River of Gold. You've read about the River of Gold, right? Sure. There's And it's real. Yeah. Well, I, can I take, mean, I think it's real. We'll go to go. Oh, we have so much to talk about, no. guys. It's not truck Ghost related. Towns. So, no, right, that's yeah, awesome. Okay. You know about the pile of rocks in the middle of uh, Soda Dry Lake on that parallels... The 15 between yes. Zizix and Rasa Road. Wait, you're talking about the um, the neon rocks. No, no, no. No, that's that's Magic Mountains out by Vegas. This is on the California side. There is literally a pile of rocks. And in this pile of rocks, the, the legend goes or the tradition is that along the trail, you pick up a rock and you deposit it for good luck on Soda Dry Lake. So in the middle of this big dry lake is this massive rock pile. And there is a sign, a metal sign stuck in the middle of the rocks that have a message. And you are not allowed to tell anybody what it is. No. Yeah, you, it's just it's just there for your enjoyment, having been there. Oh, <laughs> I have to go. I'm taking you. I have to go. No, we'll do it. You know what this is like? It's like you telling me these stories is like uh, listening to Diesel Power Challenge and hearing those uh, those you know 2,000 horsepower trucks. And, yeah, I just I need to be there right now. Oh my gosh! All right, listen, it is the Truck Show podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. It's Lightning and Holman, and uh, we got another show to get to. And uh, we'll be back with you. And we love you. And goodbye. That's it. No, there's an outro. <laughs> oh man, I am so excited. We got to do this. I, we got to have a, a truck adventure. We got to do this. Hey, I'm you guys, on board. If you have suggestions, hit us up. Truckshowpodcast at gmail dot com. Truckshowpodcast at gmail dot com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Whoa, whoa. Aren't you getting on a plane or something? Yeah, I got a road trip. Detroit to uh, L.A. with my daughter over Father's Day weekend. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be awesome. In a brand new truck that isn't mine. Yeah, you're going to tear it up. Hey, so want to hear something funny? So Winslow just texted me. He says, uh, so fun. Podcasts are great. I've never done an interview with my shirt off while drinking a beer before. <laughs> <laughs>